naturally we radiate a low level of electricity. It's very similar to like a radio wave or a microwave. I mean, a radio wave is actually a really good way to put it where we are broadcasting and these hand sensors are picking up that broadcast. And just like a radio wave is translated into a sound, the wavelength of our energy is translated into a color because that's how we see color, right, is wavelengths. So what this camera is doing is simply matching wavelength A to wavelength B through an algorithm. So this is matching your energy to a color. Hi friends and welcome to The Geode, your guide to modern wellness and woo. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. I'm a mom, a veteran, and a modern mystic. And I'm on a mission to create an inclusive wellness community. A few years ago, I found myself drawn to the world of spirituality and I loved it. But I also felt really self-conscious about what I didn't know yet. I didn't feel comfortable asking questions or showing up to certain events. And I definitely never heard or saw anyone with a voice like mine. Someone who's grounded, relatable, approachable, really funny, and also really witchy. And that's why I created this podcast. On the podcast, we're going to cover everything from astrology to crystal healing, energy work, human design, and even tantric Ayurveda, all from the perspective of relevant practitioners and thought leaders. I wanted to create a safe place for you to learn more about these contemplative and mystical practices and offer a variety of information so you get to decide what resonates with you on your own terms. I hope that you love it because I love you. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of The Geode. I'm really looking forward to today because I'm obsessed with auras and aura photography and we have one of the biggest names in the game. Christina Lonsdale is a conceptual artist that found her prominence through Radiant Human, a photography project that uses the Aura Cam 6000. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. Maybe we can start with you giving us a little bit of how you got into this line of work? That's a really good question. I kind of fell into it, so to speak. Well, I think I was in a really interesting crossroads. I had just gotten laid off. I had a little bit of severance money, not much, but I was looking into not working for somebody else, but working for myself. And what I was doing was really like working backwards. I wanted to identify what my lifestyle was. I wanted to identify what I wanted my life to be like and find a career to support that instead of the other way around, finding a career and then having that affect your lifestyle. So I knew I wanted to work with creative people. I knew I wanted to travel. I knew I wanted to do something inspiring and I wanted to be a part of a community. And originally I was really interested in creating micro storefronts. So what I wanted to do was get a warehouse. I lived in Portland, Oregon at the time. And as you may or may not know, Portland, Oregon is known for makers and DIY kind of not only aesthetic, but lifestyles where people can just make their own pickles. They can make their own bicycles. They make their own belts. They make everything, right? Everything you could possibly think of. There's somebody, there's a craftsperson that makes it. And what I found surprising was that there was no purse. There was no place for this. There was Etsy. There was a digital space for it, but there wasn't a physical place for it. And I was really inspired by farmers markets in the sense that it really brings the community together and really kind of supports the small business to have a larger platform. And so I was thinking, what if we did something like that for the makers of the world? And so I wanted to make this space. And in um, the process of kind of looking around, and I I wanted to find makers that were also not only just in Portland, but elsewhere too, that wanted to get more of a larger storefront, but like more, they're just like up and coming and wanted to like get another door, let's say. And I wanted to create very, very small storefronts, like 
I'm talking about like hundred square feet, 50 square feet, like really, really tiny, something that was affordable, bite-sized um, kind of next level structure for them. And I was in New York City and researching a bunch of makers in Brooklyn. And I was really inspired by Essex Market. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that area, but it's, it's been around forever. And I was just kind of taking notes and exploring. And some of my friends were like, oh my God, have you gotten an aura photograph done? And I was like, no. But I was really skeptical because I have known about auras for a very long time. When I was 15 years old, I enrolled in the Santa Barbara School of Intuitive Massage and I studied the physical body and the aura. I was obsessed with Barbara Brennan, read all of her books when I was 14. So this has been something that was like a part of my life already. And the concept of photographing an aura seemed kind of hokey to me. But I was with my friends. I was in New York City. I was here to explore and learn. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So we went to a really fun crystal shop in Chinatown called Magic Jewelry, who has been photographing auras for a very long time. And I got my aura photograph for the first time. And this was a really obviously transformative experience for me. I was so surprised, but also not surprised to see that I had a dark, muddy red aura. Now I'll tell you this, I was hungover. And this photo captured me perfectly for the energetic state that I was that day. And I was really impressed because I was thinking, you know, everybody wants to have a beautiful rainbow aura or they want to have it like a deep indigo or they want to have like, you know, some fantastic color because that's how I wanted to see myself spiritually or, or whatever. But I, they didn't give me that. They gave me the truth. And that is really what inspired me was the tension of, I was comfortable seeing, I was comfortable telling my friends that I was hungover. I was not comfortable, however, seeing an image of myself in that energetic context, if that makes sense. The way that I saw myself spiritually, the way I understood myself spiritually and seeing that fed back to me. Or, or like maybe the truth fed back to me that I was energetically not like at a high place was really what kind of like inspired me on my plane ride back home. I was just thinking and thinking and thinking about this and it was just like really inspiring, but I had already had so much like research put into this market idea but I kept thinking about it and it was just like one of those energetic jolts and, and this is where I can't say enough how important it is to be able to take time for yourself and really have silence, no phones, no internet, no movies, none of that stuff. You got to have silence and free space for you to really find your compass, let's say. And I was definitely in that state, right? Where I was trying to find the compass of what is my best next step for my highest potential, for what I want to be in my life. And aura photography was it. Like it was a very clear signal once I quieted the noise, right? Although I will say that my brain, my logic side was like, no, no, no. We already invested so much time. We invested money. This is more logical, right? Real estate. This is a lot more because back then nobody had heard of aura photography. This was something that was super, super fringe. I mean, it's still pretty fringe, but this was really fringe back then. And so this was something that was a big Hail Mary, if you will, for me to just dump all of my money because I really didn't have a lot of money to start this. So it was just kind of like a shoestring budget and I made it work. I was 
really, really lucky to be surrounded by some really incredibly inspiring small business owners in their own right. Again, Portland, Oregon, love you because there is a really incredible community of people that are not only successful in their own right, but willing to share their knowledge of success with each other so that we all rise up. Beautiful. This is super random, but when you were talking about the market, I was thinking mm-hmm. about salons, how they rent out their chairs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a business model, you know, because well, smart. It's, it's, it's something that like, once you realize that rent isn't all on you, that you can subdivide and share it with other people that also can't afford it, that you can share that together and create a business together, create a community together. Everything seems a lot more achievable. Yeah, I love that. I am glad that you took this path. The other thing that I think is very interesting about your story, because I was reading a little bit about you, is this juxtaposition of you have this career in aura photography and you had your first aura photo when you were 15, but you seem... Oh, no, no, no. I didn't have my first aura photo when I was 15. I got oh, into Oh, you knew, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You knew about aura. Yeah. You knew about auras, but that, but that there's also this like, not woo resistant, but there's... You there could is... call it woo resistant. You could totally, <laughs> absolutely call it woo resistant. Yeah. Woo and I was reading, you were talking about, I think your parents were mm-hmm. kind of hippies and you're like, yep. I won't be like them. And so can yeah. you... Can you talk a little bit about this narrative of like, you're in this field that you did not think that you'd be in. And never in a million years. Yeah. (laughs) If you told me as like a teenager that I was going to be doing this, I would, you know, tell you to go take a hike. So here's the thing. Who wants to be their parents, right? Like that's just like what it comes down to. And the older you get, the more you see these similarities showing up. And I'm not just saying that you're stuck with it, but I, I think for me, it's about carrying the torch of culture, right? I grew up in a very specific culture. I love my parents. Both of them are really incredible, amazing, inspiring humans that I'm proud to have in my life. But you kind of want to do your own thing. You know what I mean? You want to find your own independence. And that's a big part of childhood. That's a big part of growing up is finding your own way. And for, for me growing up, I was, I was around a lot of... Dr. Brene Brown talks about toxic positivity. And I think that is such an amazing way to explain some of the downsides of the new age movement or, or what I grew up with around new age was this kind of like blocking out all negative, even though you know it's there, but you just don't want to have it enter your awareness. And so it's this thing where you're not really being true to yourself and the people around you that it's okay to say, you know what, today sucked, but tomorrow's going to be better and I'm going to be better. And we're going to work on this together. And you can just Google Brene Brown if you don't know what I'm talking about. And oh my God, you're going to love it. So definitely if you've never heard of her, please, please, please look her up. She's incredible. But that's kind of what I grew up with. And that was the, that, that was the downside of the hippie movement, in my opinion, was being around a lot of like woo-woo people that weren't necessarily grounded, let's say. So the way that I wanted to grow up and the way that I wanted to live my life was very much cemented in truth. And Barbara Brennan was a big influence for me. Barbara Brennan is a physicist that actually started seeing auras. And she wrote a really incredible book called Hands of Light. This is a book that I referred to where I picked it up when I was 14. It was actually my mom's copy. Stole my mom's books. Sorry, mom. I'll return it later. (laughs) And I 
was so impressed that this woman was a scientist. She spoke like a scientist, but she was addressing these super vibey out there concepts like seeing auras, like working with energy, like alternatives to Western medicine. And I really loved that she was almost a bridge between um, science and mysticism, which is a huge inspiration for me going forward through Radiant Human. I want to be that bridge also. I love that. And that is what I like about aura photography. Like I, I am into the woo stuff and my husband is a supportive spouse, but is not into it. <laughs> oh, I love that word too. Supportive spouse. That's such support, a good one. He's, he's, yeah. you know, he's encouraging, but it's yeah. not thing for sure. But I like it because I think it helps keep the me balance. grounded. Yeah. Exactly. But it was really cool because I had my kids aura photo taken last summer and then this no summer. Way. Cool. Yeah. And I felt like I just saw in his brain something click where he's like, oh, wow. It just really helped sort of make it tangible for him. And what just sort of came to me when you were talking was that your inner conflict of what was classified as woo and what you feel like needs to make something practical was the aura photo. And that is like your gift to the world. It was like your internal struggle is becoming the bridge for everybody else as well. So that's really cool. I'm curious about did you have, though, any moment where when you decided to go all in, was there was there anything aside from just the silence and the feeling of like, no, I know I'm doing the right thing. Was there anything, a moment or a thought or something that came to you where you felt like, I know that this is the right thing? Because I imagine taking the leap from this brand you had been building into this idea that you had never thought that you were going to ever pursue. Was there one thing that sort of really helped reaffirm your decision or was this just like a long period of you really sitting with yourself that you then decided to take the leap? There's nothing to my memory where I was like, this was like the jolt. It was definitely like sitting and I'm going to give this one up to my pops here because he early on in my young adult life, taught me a lot about energy without necessarily talking about energy. I forgot what it was, you know, but he was talking about how to identify the decision-making, basically, and discernment. And he was saying, you know, if you're coming up against a hard decision, you want to identify the feeling of, is this risk in, in the sense of like, a good risk or a bad risk. And the good risk feels a lot like just sat down on a roller coaster that you love and it's going tick, 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 but it hasn't dropped yet. Do you know the feeling? Like if you can just be in that roller coaster with me, you're there, right? Yes. Okay. So that feeling you're, it's scary, but there's this feeling of anticipation, right? And that joy of anticipation is really what you want to feel when it's a good choice. Now, sheer terror (laughs) of, oh my God, why did I do this? This is not what I meant to happen. That is the bad risk, right? And so that's what I talk about when I talk about compass is that we, we all have an internal compass. It's just quieting yourself down enough to hear it or to feel it. And to see it, you know, I I think that we all have receptors. That's a big part of energy. I feel like we all can read energy. You can walk down a street and see if somebody's having a bad day. You can see if somebody's a kind person. You can see if somebody is so immersed in themselves that they have no awareness of others around them. You can see this. We all read energy, whether we know it or not. And we go through day to day doing this. 
What I think of is that we all have receptors and we're feeling these things, but we also are clogging those receptors by watching a lot of television, looking at our phones too much, being like overly indulgent in these things where your receptors are kind of consumed by these other messages. And so it's, that's why I think meditation is really important. If you don't like meditation, that's totally okay. How about dog walks? You know what I mean? That's why dogs are so great in our lives, whatever it is, going to the gym, going on the treadmill, but silence. That's what I think is really important is just being able to create that space. And I was really, really fortunate that I had two parents that really ingrained that within me. And so I don't think it was like too much of a, of a big deal for me to find that compass and feel strong that I was making the right choice. I love that. Tell your, tell your dad. Thanks. Cause yeah. that's something I'm going to I will. I that's a really, really great piece of advice. Cause we all get a little bit of, you know, that, that bubbling up of your blood pressure, but yeah, it, but sometimes it's I, a good thing. Right? Yeah. Sometimes it's, yeah. A really good, it's a really good thing. But it's interesting also to hear you talk about your childhood and your dad talking about energy, because you, what I read about you and what I've heard in your interviews is so it just sounds more academic. Not that healing and energy isn't academic, but it, it's, yeah. it's, you have a, you have a very nice balance of the both. Thank you. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the purpose of the aura photo? That's a really good question. I think that the purpose of the aura photo really depends on the person taking it and their intentions behind it, right? And sometimes it doesn't. Like your your kid, your son, right? Got a aura photo. I mean, maybe his intention was just to like make his mom happy. And then he walked away with it actually with something that he didn't expect. And and that can be the biggest thing for me. If somebody is just coming in for like, let's say at the most superficial level, a new cool photo to put on their Instagram profile. And then they walk away with it with a deeper experience, not knowing that there's this other thing, right? That we talk about energy and we talk about identity and we talk about color and, and we talk about us as human beings and the energy we put into the world and how this is really like, this changes. We all change energetically, which is probably what you've seen in your son photographing him a year later is, you know, you can see this energetic shift. You can see how we evolve. And I think that goes into, you know, somebody that has a little bit more intention behind their photo that are coming in a little bit more, maybe invested in the aura photo rather than just like wanting to have, you know, a new cool photo. They're more on their own self-discovery path of, you know, I've been doing this inner work how is this going to show in this photograph? And that's where I talk about energetic landmarks in my book. There's this chapter where I show several people that I've been photographing over the years and their personal story that kind of goes along with the change of color within their evolution of their life. And they're beautiful people. They're beautiful stories. They've been so generous with being open about what's going on for them. There's, you know, a beautiful, yeah, there's just, you got to see it. Yeah, I'm really on. excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I am. Um, I actually did my son and my daughter. And what's really funny is they are polar opposites. Yeah. And their photo also, his was like blue and green, and hers was like orange and yellow. And it was cool. like fire and water. And Interesting. Like and so we talk about the tangibility, right? And I feel like that's really another bonus of, of the experience is that you get something tangible for something that is normally not tangible, right? Energy changes and it moves and you can't see it. 
So this is something that you can actually see holding your hands and say, look. And I think that's also a really interesting aspect of photography in general. You know, we have photographs so that we can capture a moment in time so that we can either reflect back on it personally or share it with others. There's no other way that you can, you know, share an experience um, with somebody that wasn't there. So that's, I think, another, what did you call it? Like a purpose. A purpose. Yes, a purpose. Um, When a photo comes out, are you able to say you have, of red energy coming in so you have anxiety or you do you read people's auras after the photo is printed oh yeah I mean I don't technically call them a reading but that's basically what it is it, it's more like you know like we were talking about before my approach is a lot more academic in the sense that I'm I am going to share with you everything that I've learned through this process. Over the last six years, I've taken over 45,000 photographs and I found some really incredible consistencies with how people identify with the, the colors that they've created with their energy. And so given that, I share what I've learned to my subjects that I photograph. For example, if you photograph with red, the first question I'm going to come at is, are you going through changes? It's not necessarily like I'm going to just label you like, oh, you're aggressive or you're going through anxiety. It's more like the majority of people that I photographed with red are going through change. What kind of change are you going through? Sometimes people are going through pregnancy. Some people are going through job loss. Obviously, those are different things, right? Not all of them can be anxious, but they're definitely going through change. And I found that the predominantly the majority of people going having red photos are going through new beginnings which I think is fantastic, right? That's so crazy that people from all walks of life go completely like, you know, unconnected, but going through different situations, but all like have the same broadcast to create the same color. I find that so fascinating. I love that. Well, it makes sense. I mean, when everyone's stressed out, you kind of all respond in the same way, right? Like our breath shortens and we clench our body. And so it's like, we really are more connected than we believe. Um, Or like take someone's photo and then be like, your boyfriend dumped you. And then take the photo (laughs) again and sleep. (laughs) You know, in the beginning, I definitely played around with a lot of stuff like that. I I have noticed that some people change more often than others. And that's what stopped me from doing a lot of before and afters because I found that it's totally dependent on the person because that makes sense, right? When you start thinking of, of the people in your life, there are some people that are more energetically volatile than others. And I'm not saying volatile, like they're crazy. I'm just saying volatile, like they, they change more often. They change haircuts, they change jobs, they change boyfriends, they change houses. They, you know, people are, some people are just more, you know, they move around a lot more than others. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just them. Yeah, that's like, I'm definitely, a, mine will probably change a lot where my husband's will probably be more consistent. Exactly, exactly. And that's another really interesting thing is as I've photographed couples over the years, I've noticed that it's usually one person within the relationship that stays consistent. They're the rock in the relationship where the other person is the one that bops around. That would be me. I'm definitely an erotic one. And you offer gifts to each other that way. He offers stability. You offer variety. I mean, (laughs) you have to have that in a relationship to succeed, right? I mean, that's a really interesting way to conceptualize it in a physical, tangible photograph. Yeah, what's cool is I actually, when we did this most recent one with the kids, I had him do one with me. Cool. The person who prints it prints some sort of, it, it reads something. Like some crazy, like the, the old school printer paper yes, where you yes, like. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah. And the um, yeah. energy on the left and right was perfectly balanced. Oh, cool. So it's like, we do make a team. Mm-hmm. He just 
has to do with my personality crisis every two years. I'm curious because you were saying about all of the tens of thousands of photos that you've taken at this point. And I assume that a lot of this is what's in the book. What are some of your favorite observations that you've seen over this period of time? You're right. This is in the book. And I've been able to feature some some cool personalities. I've been able to feature also like what I'm calling archetypes. So I found archetypal kind of energetic states, let's say. Um, for example, red and purple comes to mind. We already know through our conversation that red has a lot to do with new beginnings or hard work. It has a lot to do with like physical, tangible, almost like a birth process. Red represents birth. Purple, on the other hand, is on the total other side of the spectrum, right? Purple represents concepts, inspiration, dreams. It's, this, is a, this is not grounded. This is more woo-woo, right? And so when you have both of them together, you find that this person is basically at the intersection of the crossroads between the two. They are trying to navigate these two things. And I had purple, red, uh, when I started Radiant Human. I mean, I had red in the beginning. And then as I started getting more and kind of, let's see. So red has a lot to do with manifestation, right? So red is birth, it's tangibility, it's new beginnings. I had a lot of red in the beginning. And then as I started evolving, some purple got thrown in there and some orange. Um, And purple really has, when you have the two of those, it is kind of trying to put an idea into fruition. It is has a lot to do with kind of taking this dream space and how am I going to make that tangible? How am I going to make that real? And so I dubbed it the creative hustler <laughs> because this was really about okay. somebody being really creative, being somebody being really kind of in their head about something, but trying to figure out how, how are they going to make it real? How are they going to put it into the world? And so purple red is a great example of that. Yeah. I'm not sure if I answered your question. You did. Well, I mean, they're just, you spoke a little bit about the archetypes for no particular reason. What if they're orange in the middle, yellow on both sides and purple at the top? And there's like, are we talking about your kids? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Got it. Yeah. Cute. No red. Um, Um, Well, here's the thing. You don't want too many colors. That's, that's what I always, you know, say is that this is, this is really what I've seen is that when, when people are energetically balanced, when they're like energetically kind of, when they're doing well, it's one or two or three colors. That's it. If it's more than that, they're a little overwhelmed. So a lot, a misconception out there is that you want all the colors. That's what makes you balanced, which is not necessarily the case that I've seen. And that was the question is, I guess, like the overarching, I know you t- you spoke about the archetypes, uh-huh. but also can you see addiction? I mean, that might be hard to know because you don't know who has an addiction, but. Well, and, and that's, that's actually a really good point. I don't identify as a healer and I don't identify as a doctor, obviously. I'm an artist and what I am here for is conceptualizing energy through portraiture. And so this is something that I address in certain ways where, you know, there are colorations that I've seen have a tendency towards addiction just because people have offered that information from themselves. And I've seen that similarity among other colors that are the same, but I really resist diagnosing anybody as, as far as that goes, because it's just not my bag. Right. And also people aren't necessarily coming in and volunteering that information. You'd be surprised. I mean, it's really like, it's really an incredible time. Like I have been so gifted with such an incredible community that is dedicated towards their own personal truth, but also sharing that truth with me so that I could help other people or further my work. I think that's probably a better way to put it. 
I think that is one of the great things is sort of what we were talking in the beginning also is the tangibility of being mm-hmm. able to express, you know, what you were giving the example of the red and the purple. Like if you are too much purple, it can be really hard to ground an idea. Exactly. So it can be like, I've got all these great ideas, but I can't bring them into the world. Mm-hmm. What, what am I missing? And you're right. able to look and be like, okay, you need more of that hustler energy. Right, 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 right. Totally. Can you talk us a little bit through the history of the pro- the process of, of what's happening? With the camera? With the camera, sorry, yeah. Okay, yeah, totally. So this camera was invented by a man named Guy Coggins in the 1970s. I think it's also really important to explain kind of how this camera works, right? This camera uses two hand sensors that are connected to the camera. You put your hands on top. It analyzes the wavelength of the energy that you have. Naturally, we radiate a low level of electricity. It's very similar to like a a radio wave or a microwave. I mean, a radio wave is actually a really good way to put it where we are broadcasting. And these hand sensors are picking up that broadcast. And just like a radio wave is translated into a sound, the wavelength of our energy is translated into a color because that's how we see color, right? Is wavelengths. So what this camera is doing is simply matching wavelength A to wavelength B through an algorithm. So this is matching your energy to a color. And that color is an overlay on top of a photograph, meaning that it's kind of like a filter. So instead of a Coachella wreath or bunny ears or, you know, a pair of glasses and makeup, you have the color of your energy on top of a photograph of you. Cool. And it's reading, I know that you, you, it's reading through the hands on the middle pad. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the camera distributes that color onto a photograph of you. Traditionally, these cameras have been used in crystal shops, psychic fairs as a service enhancement. So usually they will suggest a certain type of healing or a crystal after they photograph you saying like, oh, you have this energy, this crystal or this uh, healing practice will benefit you in this way. Whereas that's um, not what I do. I'm, I'm more focused on the portraiture behind that. And you'll see that in my photographs too. I was really, because the concept around this project, you'll see that traditional aura photographs, you can't really see your face in them. And I I wanted to offer equal bandwidth to the physical body and the energetic body to both be present because we are such visual people. I mean, you can really tell a lot about yourself when you're looking at the expression in your face, when you're looking at the haircut that you chose during a certain stage of life. I mean, all you need to do is really rummage through that box of photos that's hanging out in your closet somewhere to really see that you have like these different stages of life. And so what I wanted to do was conceptualize that further by making you more physically visible in these photographs, but by at the same time, still honoring the energy that you produce. Beautiful. You've mentioned a few of them. Is there a consistent meaning to each color that you can walk us through or it depends on the person and where it is? Okay. Oh, it totally depends on the person and where it is. It depends. There's a lot of variables, but I can go through like the basics. Yes. Um, Red represents new beginnings. Orange has a lot to do with creativity in a certain way. I'm not saying that they're creative people, but they have to be creative with their energy. Meaning a lot of salespeople are orange. A lot of people, actually people that work with people are orange. Very adaptable, I think would be orange is a better um, word for that. Yellow is very playful. Green is really about growth. It's about being very goal-oriented, results-driven. Blue is very about community, feeling connected. And purple is about the idea or the ideal or the belief or the philosophy. Beautiful. And can you tell, is there... White. 
I forgot to mention white. I was surprised to find this, but white really has a lot to do with energetic overwhelm. It's not enlightenment as much as I, I thought it would be. Although I do leave space for white to represent something higher. It's just not something that I've seen show up for people that are just like super calm and like energetically like there. My other question though, does saturation make mm-hmm. it like if it's a very deep blue? And also, can you talk us through a little bit about where it shows up? like left side, right side, center above that. Yeah. Well, I go through all of this in the book. The book is really in depth. It's in the most comprehensive aura photo book in existence. I mean, this is a um, 300 page book with a lot of photos and a lot of information on what all this means. So if you think of like, it's really difficult to kind of like take all that and explain that in five minutes, but the the saturation of colors important in the sense that if you equate this to energy, this is talking about the strength or the lack of strength of energy. So if you're really faint or muddy or dark, it usually represents energetic fatigue. Now there is a misconception out there that there's a better color. A lot of people come in and they want to be purple, but I've noticed that every color has a mixed bag. There's no better color. What I've noticed is that where you are in your energetic evolution is really showing up in the saturation of color where like if you have like a nice bright Kelly green as opposed to a dark muddy forest green, that's going to show you where you are with your energy as far as like how healthy you are. And, And that shows up also in different ways too. For example, if you have kind of like a more dark muddy green, this is a coloration that is really hard on itself. Green, like I said earlier, is more focused on goals. It's more focused on growth. It's more focused on like how to find that level of validation through your efforts, a return on investment, so to speak. And for some people that aren't getting that, they're not seeing that validation. They're not seeing those mile markers. They can feel, I mean, we all know what that feels like when you feel like you're not getting where you want to be in your life. That usually shows up in a dark, muddy green. Yeah. And that's what I really love about aura photography is kind of this out of body, you know, like you have this feeling of, oh, I don't feel quite right. And um, it doesn't come out through talk therapy Mm. that, but when you see what is being emitted through your body and you right. can assess that way. That's, I'm, so, I'm so excited to get the book because I, I it helps me because there are certain things that I'm going through. Yeah. I can't be like, I'm anxious. It has to be more right, right, totally. out of body. And that's what's great about the book too, is I, you don't have to go to me to get photographed, right? You have your own photographs. So you can just use those photographs to read the book and there you go. Yes. And, and it's just a great way to, to diagnose. Yeah. My last question is, what do you love the most about this work? That's hard to answer. I think, honestly, I love the stories that I hear back from people. I hear such incredible stories and I just love being of service. So that I think is the most validating aspect of, of this work. And I'm not going to lie. It feels really good to be able to pay your rent with it too. Like, it's just like, it feels amazing to be supported in that way. Also, what I want to do is be not only an inspiration, but a representation of what you can do by following your own path. That there's, there's just this misconception of the old paradigm that you have to work for a corporation, you have to have 35 years invested in one company to really succeed in life or to feel secure. I have never felt more secure in my career because I'm my own boss and I've invested in myself. It's not only like just a job, it's a 
path in a sense and where I feel like I'm really contributing to a community rather than just supporting a job I don't necessarily believe in. So I feel really stoked about that, that that's, I mean, how could that not be my favorite aspect about that job or about this work? But I, I will say just like the personal interactions that I've had with my community is also like a, just a huge one. I follow you all the time. I'm from New yeah. York and I live in Virginia. Anyway. Now. I feel like every time I've gone up to New York, it's it's just bad timing. But fingers crossed that I will at some point be on be able to meet you on one of your tours. If you could talk to us about this book that's coming out and where okay. people can find you. The book is called Radiant Human, Discovering the Connection Between energy, identity, and color. But it's just type in Radiant Human, you'll be fine. And and that's it. That's how you find me. My book releases April 27th, which is coming right around the corner. I'm super excited. And you can find me at Instagram at radianthuman underscore. And you can see my tour release on my website, which is radianthuman.com. I have not released my appointments yet. Once things clear up, I'll probably start touring again. So if you have any questions, there's a fact page on my website. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm Stephanie Wood, and you've been listening to The Geode, your guide to modern wellness and woo, the podcast. You can follow us on Instagram. And if you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. You can join me next week for another fun conversation. Until then, I love you.